Hello and welcome to the Safe Haven Talk, full episode number three. I'm Gia. And I'm Bree. And we're back. We are back, guys, and we are on our fourth week or our fourth recording. Third and full episode. <laughs> yeah, third full episode. So. Had a little bit of a technical difficulty in the yeah. start, but we're here now. <laughs> we're here, we're thriving. And yeah, let's just jump into it. So there's a couple topics we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, a little bit about homelessness during the pandemic, a little bit about New York City and New York State homelessness pre-pandemic. Then we're going to talk about a really cute story about this boy who not only was doing his part before the pandemic, but then also took the step further to adjust his plans to fit the pandemic. So we're going to get into that. We're going to end with that. So yeah, let's start with during the pandemic. Um, Have you heard anything about you know homelessness during the pandemic and its difficulties that these people are having so i heard some stuff i mean who hasn't yeah and it's really sad i also heard you know they were being allowed to stay in luxury hotels for the time being and then i also heard that they were getting kicked out which was also very sad and that was the extent i heard because then i just stopped watching the news entirely because it made me sad yeah for sure yeah i've heard (laughs) some good and i've heard some bad same so obviously i do my research before each show so uh, across the united states The health and economic impacts of COVID-19 are much greater for already disadvantaged people. The health and economic burdens faced by these people experiencing homelessness make them especially vulnerable during this time. Uh, In a recent study, researchers surveyed 200 people experiencing homelessness in actually Sacramento, California, which is um, one of the bigger cities that experience homelessness. They found that financial difficulties associated with the pandemic had affected respondents more significantly than COVID itself, and few of them had even received their stimulus check. The survey results uh, demonstrated low exposure to COVID-19 for people experiencing homelessness in Sacramento, and more that the economic impacts were far more severe. They said uh, almost two-fifths of the survey uh, participants reported a job or income loss during February and October of 2020, which is crazy that, because I feel like when I initially went into my research, I assumed that homeless, those who are homeless are more exposed to the virus. But according to the study, that is not the case. And it's the impact that they're having is less of a health impact. I mean, of course, there's there are people impacted, but it's more of the economic impacts that that COVID is having that is affecting them. So like I said, health conditions and inadequate access to health care make people experiencing homelessness, especially vulnerable to COVID-19. But shelter in place orders and physical distancing recommendations have reduced shelter capacities and other important services. The data that was collected suggests that incidences of COVID-19 have been relatively low in the number of people experiencing homelessness in Sacramento and that the income and job loss were more common than the disease exposure. Relatively few people received stimulus payments in spring of 2020, especially among those with little to no income. I know we talked about stimulus checks before, mm-hmm. but this just kind of just brings, brings up back. that top. It brings that topic back up of, okay, these people aren't getting their money. Like they're, these are the people that need it the most, the most. and they are, have no access to it. Mind blowing and so sad to me. Heartbreaking. Like it, 
It literally is. And I honestly was surprised. I felt that going into my research that it was going to be that the homeless community were the ones who were going to be most exposed to the virus itself. When in reality, they due to the restrictions and shelter in place and physical distancing recommendations reduced shelter capacity. And so there wasn't as much exposure as I thought that there was. And it was more this economic impact that they were facing of losing their jobs, losing income, not receiving these checks. It's just it's just devastating, honestly. And I think that we're all experiencing the impact of COVID, whether it's the economic or health impact. But to know that like these people, like it says, like these people who are disadvantaged already are especially vulnerable during this time. It's just one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. And it's just not just not fair. Like it's it's not fair, you know, and I'm just trying to like I'm trying to think of a better word for not fair. Yeah, I can keep thinking of is it's not fair. Yeah. it sounds really like sounds childish like I feel like I'm like a child like somebody it's not fair it's not fair but it's really not and I don't know what else to say on that matter no yeah so now I'm going to talk about kind of homelessness pre-pandemic specifically because we are safe haven NY so we we do talk about New York homelessness especially so I'm going to go a little bit into that because I feel like we really haven't done that yet so these are mostly pre-pandemic things that I was finding because like mentioned in past podcasts a lot of the issues when it comes to numbers is that some of these people aren't coming forward and aren't presenting themselves as being, so they can't be accounted for, especially now. So New York City specifically, let me start by this. It's important to note that homelessness is a significant public health challenge in major U.S. cities and has been identified as a social determinant of health. Homelessness and chronic disease have a bi-directional relationship. Consecutively, chronic diseases, mental health disorders, and inadequate access and utilization of healthcare services disproportionately affect the homeless population. So I just wanted to note that now. In New York City, the causes of homelessness include job loss and unemployment, economic hardships, emotional and mental disorders, substance use disorders, and fleeing from physical and emotional abuse. Other causes also include national disasters like hurricanes and hurricanes and gentrification and changes in neighborhood layout. A disproportionate increase in rent and income pay rise are also a factor as rent has increased by 18% in New York City from 2005 to 2015, while wages only rose by 5%. So Not only is rent being increased by 18% in 10 years, wages have only increased by five. So it's not like they're they're making up for it. It also says that that New York City, it has the highest population of homeless individuals followed only by Los Angeles. So Los Angeles and New York City are the top two cities who are seeing these huge numbers of homelessness. In New York State, um, it is one of five states that accounts for nearly half of the nation's total homeless population. That is crazy. That New York state alone is one of five states that account for nearly half of national totals of homelessness. Like that's crazy. Um, That's insane to wrap your head around. Like I can't, Yeah, I can't imagine living in a place that is responsible for half of the nation's total amount of homeless people. That sounded really weird the way it came out, but yeah, no, I just can't imagine that. No, yeah. So homelessness nationwide has decreased by 11% 
between 2007 and 2015. However, it increased in 18 states, of which New York State recorded the highest increase of 41%. So approximately, it went from 62,601 to 88,250 people during this time period. Between 2014 and 2015, New York State's homeless population increased by 7,660, which is the largest recorded increase in any one-year period, accounting for almost 33% of New York State's total homeless population growth in the eight-year period between 2007 and 2015. Like These numbers are, are devastating and also mind-blowing at the same time. To put this in perspective, 98% of the total New York State homeless population is in New York City alone. 98% of New York states, like the whole state, 98% of the homeless population is found in New York City. That's That's, my brain. I know. Like, and when you look at it, when you picture, like everyone knows the general size of New York State compared to New York City. Nine, you're telling me 98% of homeless people live on in New York City compared to the entire state. That is just mind blowing. Like I just, this is one of the things that I love about research, which I, and also hate about it is I love that I'm learning this information, but I hate that it's, this is the information that I'm learning. Exactly. That these are the devastating numbers that we're finding out about. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, I think you kind of summed it up. Yeah. It's, I love learning in general. I'm like that kid who was like, oh my God, I love to learn. But when it's stuff like that, it puts into perspective how devastating and how Mm -hmm. sad some of the stuff that you learn is because it's like you take for granted what you have and it makes you realize, oh my God, I'm complaining over nothing. Yeah. When 98% of New York's homeless population is in New York City alone. I know. And for us, that's in our own backyard. Like, and I feel like it's, I feel like I see that like anytime I go to the city, it's like, oh, that's normal. Right. So in if you're walking in New York City, if you've been in New York City, you've seen at least one homeless person. At least and one. this is exactly the reason. Like this is why, which is just and like I said, this is in our own backyard. Like we we've we've been exposed to this a lot more than other people. Like people in the middle of the country, of course, the homelessness exists. But if you're not living near a major city, you might not be exposed to this kind of information or this kind of you never may have known or seen as much about it. But this is in our own backyard. This is we've we see this more often than not being here. It's normal for us. And I guess that's like a a good and bad thing because I guess we're at least we're aware of it. But we're We're also desensitized. Right. We're just so desensitized to it. And I think that that's the problem as well that we've talked about in the past is like people just treating homeless people like they're not human beings. And I think that has something to do with it is that it's in our own backyard. We see it all the time. But now we've become so desensitized to it that that people people have started to not be impacted by it and also have looked at these people as if they weren't real, like as if they weren't human be- like breathing human beings who are struggling and dealing with a lot that the uh, desensitization has like just done harm. I think I feel like people, people are so used to it that maybe they assume that they don't have to do as much or I don't know. It's just, it's definitely a devastating thing that these numbers are so high, but also that these numbers are high in their own, in our own backyard. But how many people don't know about this because it's not. I never knew that they were that high either. That's the sad part. I never knew that they were that high. 
Because I would have never guessed that. You know what I'm saying? If you asked me what the percentage of homeless people you think is, is in New York City, I would have said maybe 35 to 40% at most, not 98. No way. No way in hell, 98. Yeah. And because when you look at it, New York State is significantly bigger. So for, and there's plenty of major cities in In New York York State itself. In general. So for it to be 98% in New York City is just, like I said, it's just a devastating and mind-blowing number. So I'm going to take this to a little bit positive. Um, End on a positive note, shall we? Let's end on a positive note um, because I threw a lot of numbers, like I said, devastating numbers at us, but let's uh, end on a good note. So- a Michigan teen, his name is Samuel Ver Verhage, who um, I believe that's how you say it. I apologize if I butchered that. He, who is 14, who started a blanket drive and had, but had to shift his gears this year during the pandemic. In 2015, uh, he is from Van Buren County, Michigan, had started Samuel's Blankets, which is an organization that collects blankets and gives them to people in need. He was only nine at the time, by the way, which again, like, last recording, we discussed these young kids are doing so much. And it's just, it's crazy. I give credit to the parents because obviously the kids aren't doing it by themselves. So yeah, he was only nine at the time when he started Samuel's Blanket. Now at this point, he's 14 um, and is still raising money by selling coffee. So Sam recently uh, shared his story on one of the local TV stations in Michigan and shared his story starting with how he got the idea for his blanket drive. Quote, I saw some homeless people sleeping on a bench and thought to myself, they might be cold in the winter. Now, at that point, he was nine when he started it. So again, there's this, well, if they're heroes, why are they on the streets of, well, they're sleeping on a bench. They're probably going to be cold. Like these are kids like using absolute logic that adults aren't even using. Again, it's just kids with logic. Literally. So since then, Samuel's Blankets has set up uh, drop boxes in local businesses where people can donate blankets that the group hands out. Last year, Samuel's Blankets collected and handed out 4,296 blankets. However, once the pandemic hit, the team knew that Samuel's Blankets had had to change gears and had to switch. He said, quote, we weren't going to be able to put the drop boxes in the businesses and take the used blankets like we had in the past. Sam, this was Sam's mother, actually, who said this. She said, we weren't comfortable with it and we knew the businesses wouldn't be comfortable with it. We didn't even want to ask them to do it. Um, as a solution, Sam teamed up with local coffee shop Van Buren Coffee Company to raise money by selling a special blanket blend of coffee. Van Buren's coffee company's owner, Josh Gettig, actually told the TV station that I think that every family at some point or another has fallen on hardship. If we can just be a small little catalyst to help those people. So according to the TV station, Samuel's Blankets will receive $4 for every bag of blanket blend that is sold through December 5th. With the money and the money from the online donation, Samuel's Blanket will buy blankets instead of using the used blankets and will be handing them out to people in need. 
It also was important that they noted that they just want to make it clear that they are not a for-profit. They are a non-for-profit. All the profits go to helping and buying blankets for those in need. Yeah. So any thoughts? (laughs) Let's unpack this a little. I honestly think that is another great, you know, kid just using logic. They're sleeping outside. They're probably cold. They need blankets. Let's go into stores and see if they let us put boxes here to donate blankets. It's simple logic that kids have, but, you know, adults are like, you know, they'll be fine. Like, kids are like, no, it's, it doesn't look right. I need to do something. Yeah. Children, children have more logic. And I yeah. hate it. it. Even in my research, when I'm looking into, you know, I want to find stories. I like to end on a happy note. So I like to find stories of people helping. And I see a lot about kids or teens or college students. And it's just crazy that you kind of are seeing that, like you said, that logic of these people are on the streets outside sleeping. Maybe they're going to be cold. Or like mentioned in a pre- our previous podcast, these are people, these are our heroes. So why are they living on the streets? It's this logic and this innocence, like this sense of innocence that they're like, oh, well, well, why not? It's kind of like when you're three years old, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? And they're just asking the questions that we're just uncomfortable to ask. Or that we're uncomfortable to answer. Right. And they're forcing us to answer them. So, and I I think this goes back. And if you, I I know we referenced our past podcast. So if you have not already listened, please go give them a listen. Um, Some of our comments in this podcast will make more sense. Um, But yeah, I give so much credit to the kid. First of all, let's not take away from this kid who was only nine years old when it started and now 14 who recognized that, hey, what we have going on right now is not going to work in this current pandemic. Let's change it and let's alter it so that we can still be helping. Exactly. Give so much credit to the kid. But I think I want to, I, I, it's, it's so important to recognize that these kids are not doing it by themselves, that these parents are taking the next step to educate themselves and others and and putting in the work just as much. And here, like this is a local coffee shop and local businesses when before the pandemic, these local businesses were allowing people to put these donation boxes in their, in their businesses. And even past the pandemic, now this local coffee shop. They don't have to do that. When they sell this coffee, they don't have to do this. They are recognizing and educating themselves. Like that's what is so important, I think, with every issue, not just about homelessness, but about any issue that is going on is to educate yourself. Because if you don't educate yourself, you can't do anything about it. Because so the first step is educate and then outreach. I think we talked about this again in our past podcast, educate and outreach. Mm-hmm. is so important and this exists that's exactly what is happening here that's exactly the, it the, the, this kid saw an issue educated himself and outreach like that's exactly what's happening and i think that's what everybody mm-hmm. needs to do and i'm not saying go out there and make an organization and make a whole non-for-profit but what's the harm of i'm gonna donate to this shelter or even if it's a dollar You know what I mean? And don't get me wrong. Everyone's going through hardships, especially now. But there's even ways to help that don't include money. Either it's donating your time or resources, whatever it may be. I think it's just so important time and time again that we discuss that to educate yourself on these issues rather than pretending like they don't exist because they are. They're here. They're fully active and they're in our own backyards. And for us to do something about it, we got to learn about it. And I also want to add too, beside the fact that this kid is raising money and was getting blankets for homeless people, now on top of of everything that's going on, 
local businesses are, you know, suffering and a lot of them had to close their doors during the pandemic. So yeah. this kid is also helping people support local businesses because, you know, if, if people know about his little project, not little project, obviously it's a huge deal that cannot wrong. No, um, but it's, it's in, in retrospect it's to the whole entire country, he's just doing his own thing in his own community, you know, it, it, and it's just this small environment, but it's, it's a small act, but a big impact. impact. So he's killing two ones. He's getting money to get donations for blankets for homeless people. And he's yeah. bringing people into this coffee shop, which is a local business. So people are supporting local businesses and helping a kid help yeah. homeless people. Yeah. And he's like you said, he's not just helping the homeless. He's helping these local businesses by say like he's advertising. This coffee shop alone, how much business is it getting, not just for this special blend, but for other coffee, because people are seeing the amazing things that they're doing and they want to, they want to do that. Exactly. Like they'll be in there and they'll be like, oh, I'm going to get my iced coffee or whatever. And they'll probably like have it on the counter. I'm like, oh, what is this? They'll read about it. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll take a bag of this too. Yeah. And I think that's just, this is just another example, like last week where you just, we're adults and we know these things are happening, but this, when kids are doing it, I guess it's just this eye opener and they just are asking questions that and answering questions that we're uncomfortable to do. And I think it's just setting an amazing example as not only parent, but as a child, which is, is just, it's just amazing to see. Mm -hmm. All right. So if that's the last on the topics. Yeah. So this week, um, your challenge is going to be to go out and donate, whether it's your time, money, whatever it can be to any local business or shelter, whatever it may be, whether it's tweeting about them to expose, to, to give people exposure about these businesses that are struggling or about these shelters that are helping those in need, whatever it may be, go out and donate time, money, exposure, whatever it may be, and just do your part and educate yourself. So like we have in the past, tweet us if you do tweet us what what you've done what you whether it's hey i i donated a, some used clothes to a shelter or whatever it may be tweet us what you have done and yeah that's your challenge for the week so i think that's it i mean yeah i'm i'm gia and i'm brie and this has been safe haven talks safe haven talks this is a safe place to find facts bye everyone bye